If you're going to start a private practice in psychotherapy, you're probably going to need some clients. And you know, they're not going to just fall out of the sky. You need to cultivate a referral base. Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Whitehead. Denise Hoyt and I co-wrote The Psychotherapist Success Guide. We talk about this topic in that book, and we'll talk about it right here. Let's begin. So, Bill, we've been talking about setting up a private practice, and we've talked about the when and the how, but it's all about we really need to have clients come to our office, right? We need a business. We have to have a business and make some money. That's right. It doesn't matter how great a therapist you are if you don't have that steady stream of referrals. It is the number one uh, predictor of success in private practice. And I know we talked about if you would get on insurance panels, that is a source of referrals. Mm -hmm. But we can't rely on that to be our only referral source, especially if we're doing private pay. It's kind of out of there. And another source of referrals uh, that's, for most people, the most common source if you're a therapist with three years of experience is former patients. Almost every therapist says the number one source of referrals for me is former patients. Okay, that's great, but if I'm just new to private practice, I don't have that. Exactly. So you've got to have something to bridge that gap until you can get on those insurance panels until you can get that referral network of former patients established. So Bill, I know we're going to talk about referral sources, kind of more of that electronic, but right now if we talk about how do we develop those referral sources in the community. And I'm especially concerned because it's my experience that many therapists were really kind of introverts at heart. Yes. And going out and just cold calling on people is a bit intimidating for me, honestly. They'd rather have a hot poker in their eye Absolutely. than to go and do a cold call on a physician. We'll talk about that later, but there's good news for the introvert therapist. Okay. There are some things you can do that don't involve any personal contact. Um, there are some referral networks that you can just pay a fee to every month. And there's really only one that pays off. That is... Psychology Today. Yes. Yeah. And really, the cost of paying for that is about one session a month with a client. And if you think if you get a client in that you might hopefully get maybe six to ten sessions out of in general, it's well worth the money, especially getting started. Absolutely. <clears throat> now, it behooves you to look at kind of what your competition is in psychology today. See who you're competing against. See how you can stand out and um, get a great photo of yourself. Yeah, we call that market research, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's, it's uh, just like on a dating site. You're going to check out and see what other people are saying about themselves before you write up your... Right. Your, but uh, on psychology today, I know that you can put a profile on there, but there's also a place to link your website to. Mm -hmm. So how important is having a website? Oh, absolutely. If you don't have a website, give up. Think of some other profession. You have to have a website. It is where people go. Even when you get those uh, uh, word of mouth referrals, they're going to hit your website to make sure about you before they ever walk in for that first session. So it's absolutely essential. And you know what that implies? Don't try to do it yourself. I was just going to ask. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of techie, but 
I don't know that I could develop my own website. Well, you can. There's plenty of, uh, there's Weebly, there's other, other uh, places that say, oh, you know, we'll do your own website. Uh, you, um, there's plenty of places that will, that will state, oh, it's easy, don't, you know, don't pay a service. Just do this. We have simple tools available. And what you'll get is a very amateurish looking website that uh, will also miss out on what turns out to be a very important component of a website, which is called search engine optimization or SEO. Now, how are they going to find your website? Well, they're not going to just <laughs> know the, uh, the URL, the identifier. They're going to find it on Google. Google. That's right. Okay. And so how does one go about getting on the first page? If I type in Dallas psychologist or Dallas therapist or depression Dallas, how am I going to make sure I show up on page one? Because no one ever looks at page two. I imagine we either have to be really good at that SEO thing. Right. Or maybe we can pay for it. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so there's something in Google called AdWords. Uh, you may notice in Google that you, if you have a, a set of search results, you're going to have these down here and then the sidebar. And the sidebar is where the AdWords come in. You just pay. Say, I want to be on page one for this particular combination of search terms. And it's going to cost you uh, about maybe a dollar a click when somebody does that. Uh, but you can set a limit on that. You, uh, you can say, I want to pay $50 a month and no more. After I've put out $50, it stops. And that's how that works. And so if you're not good at a web page, or even if you are, those AdWords will pay for themselves. You only pay if somebody clicks on the ad. So that's a good thing about it. Okay, so website is absolutely essential. Right. And having an online referral source is absolutely essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about spending some money on print print ads? I mean, like maybe there's a local magazine or newspaper. You know, I did that once. I had a I was in a small suburban town. We had a local newspaper. The ad I thought was gonna be reasonable, you know, it's fifty dollars or something. So I put the ad in during the holiday season, a little little blurb about holiday depression. Zero. Zero referrals came from that. And that's been the experience of my colleagues too. Print is dead. It's all about the website. Okay. So what other referral sources then do we go to? Are there anything is there anything else electronic we should think about? Well, you have your website, you have your Google, you have to think about those two things. And uh, the search engine optimization, again, requires that somebody who absolutely understands this knows what keywords to put in that will draw uh, Google to displaying your page on page one of the results. Again, this is, this is not something for amateurs. Get, uh, get somebody else involved in this process. Okay. And, you know, it's got to look pleasant, it's got to look professional, it's got to look warm. Um, you can write the text yourself, perhaps, but let them take care of the rest and suggest what words you need to include in that text. Yeah. Now, one thing I've, I've come to understand about a lot of people who are seeking therapy is that they're in a lot of emotional pain. 
mm-hmm. and they want help pretty quickly. Right. So what happens, you know, it's a Sunday, it's a Saturday night, it's three in the morning, Sunday morning. They're looking for a place to go find therapy. Right. How can you take advantage of that? So um, there is a way to take advantage of that. And, and one of the nice things about uh, uh, therapy appointment is that they provide a tool that you can put on your website that says, make appointment now. And you don't have to be awake. You don't have to know it's happening. But in the background, completely uh, controlled by the person, the patient seeking the appointment, they can set an appointment and suddenly relax. And you know what happens if they set the appointment? They don't look at any other therapists in town. They stop on your page and they set the appointment and it's relieved. And you know, when does distress occur? Does it occur at noon? No. no. Does it occur in the morning? No, it occurs about 8 p.m. That's when they've had the argument with their spouse. That's when they confront their own loneliness or or sense of meaningless in their meaninglessness in their lives. That's when they do the search. And if you can get them an appointment right then, you're you're looking good. Absolutely. I think another thing to make sure to not overlook is having a Facebook page for your business, and that's a free that's a free tool. Just setting that up, and at least it can also lead to your website and have another place that people can search for you. Right, because Facebook is kind of separate from the rest of the internet in that way. It is, and there's a certain demographic that goes along with with Facebook. Right, and you can buy ads on Facebook as well. Yes, you can. <laughs> that's right. a, that's easily done. So. I know when I moved to a new community, Bill, that I had to go create those referral sources and talk to people in person. Mm-hmm. And it was not an easy thing to do. It no. was very intimidating. And I probably put it off for a good chunk yes, of time. And, and gets easier over time, of course, as you gain more expertise at it. But um, understand that the people that you're going to see they expect to see people like you. They've gotten visits before. Um, it becomes easy if you remember two things. One of them is talk about their needs, not just what services you provide, but finding out, well, tell me, you know, you see, you see a lot of women here. What, is it depression that troubles them? How can I be of service to your patients? So you talk about their needs instead of your needs to see patients. And the second thing is cookies. 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 <laughs> Always take cookies wherever you're going, whether it's to see the physician uh, or more importantly, the front office person. The front office person is more likely to handle referrals than the physician in the back. The nurse or the front office person, bring them some cookies. I suppose this would also be a good place to give them some things in print. To have Absolutely. On hand. That's where those brochures come in handy. Again, print is dead, but that I'm talking about magazine print there. Okay. Brochures are great things to have. Stack of business cards. Um, okay. So nicely, professionally done brochure. Not one that you just not one that you did, did on yourself. your own word self. Yeah. <laughs> not one that's clear that make happened. it nice and glossy and match your right. website maybe, right? Not, not coming out on paper out of your printer with the streaks on it. No. Yeah. It's gotta be professional. Yeah. 
and I know that it takes some money to get that set up, but it's a good investment. You know, sometimes people wonder, to get the most referrals, should I be a specialist or should I be a generalist? Should I just say, all I do is OCD, so I'll get the entire population of this city uh, who has OCD? Or should I say, I'm a generalist, whatever problem you got, I can handle it. So which is it? Bill, I'm going to say both. Yes. And uh, I say both because the vast majority, you know, the, the, the most cases we have out there for people seeking counseling is anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So I certainly wouldn't want to give up that business, especially right. in the beginning. Right. But also, I can't tell you how many people I got into my office because my website also pointed out to the specialty items that I do, which is, for my case, I, I work a lot with patients with bipolar disorder, eating disorders, and military. Mm-hmm. And so they often choose me because I have that type of experience and can meet their needs in that those areas. Right, right. So when you think about how many people in a community have OCD, uh, 100, 200, versus how many people have problems with, as you say, uh, anxiety, depression, or I would add relationship problems. Absolutely. Thousands and thousands. Don't turn away that marketplace because you were, have a special interest in OCD, especially starting out. If later on you get a real good reputation as being the person who treats OCD, then you can limit your practice at that time, but not until you have all your hours filled. Absolutely. So I'm going to be a specialist and a generalist, and I need to develop those referral sources. So besides the helping professionals like doctors, where do I go? Well, the elevator. The elevator. The elevator. I'm being a bit facetious. Everybody's heard that term elevator speech, which of course has its origins in the fact that what do you say about yourself when you've only got 40 seconds in in an elevator ride to talk to the person who's next to you? But that elevator speech becomes something that you use throughout your life. Anytime you run into somebody at a party, at a get-together, on the subway, it doesn't matter. You have that elevator speech. Oh, so what do you do for a living? Ah, oh. and you do your elevator speech, 30 or 40 seconds, not longer than that. And an elevator speech, by the way, has components. It's here's who I am. Okay. Here's why I like doing what I do and a call to action. Can you give an example of what that might sound like? I happen to you have, have an your example. elevator speech. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Bill Whitehead. I'm a, I'm a psychologist in private practice there in, in Carrollton, Texas. You know, I deal a lot with adolescents who uh, are experiencing some kind of emotional turmoil. It's a tumultuous time. In fact, I'm giving a talk on that in about three weeks. Do you know anybody who would like to attend that talk? It could be adolescents or it could be their parents. That's the call to action when I did it at the end, Mm -hmm. saying not just here's who I am and so forget about me instantly, but then they have to respond because I've asked them a question. That's a call to action. It turns out to be an essential component of effective marketing. So we might, number one, always want to have something planned that we can call to action to, right? Yes. 
Yes. And always have something prepared. Always have something prepared. And that elevator speech, it's got to flow. Practice it in front of the mirror. Give it to your parents. Give it to your spouse. Give it to your kids until it just flows. Okay. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Now, one important place I found that um, to make sure that I was able to get more referral sources is giving talks in town. Yes. And finding community organizations that I had something to say that right. would be helpful to them. And usually they had maybe a monthly meeting or a quarterly meeting, and they always wanted a speaker for those meetings. And so they really were kind of like, oh, my gosh, yes, when can I put you down? Oh, absolutely. Right? You think it, it, you can be intimidated about that process, like you're forcing yourself on them. And no, if you've ever been on the other end of that, where you are the person who's responsible for arranging presentations for an organization, they will love you. They will love you if you come and say, I can give a talk on X. Or better yet, I can give a talk. I'm good at public speaking. What would your people like to hear about? Believe it or not, I'm a member of a, a flying club here in North Carolina. And believe it or not, I gave a psychology presentation to a group that focused on airplanes exclusively. I called it Flycology. Oh, well, how unique. <laughs> and it okay. was about the psychology of flight. And I bet they loved it. They loved it. Okay. So um, any other any other places that you would look in your community to to market and develop those referral sources? You know, physicians mm -hmm. refer a lot of people, and especially again, the nurses are the front office people in those physicians' offices. Uh, but don't forget schools, school psychologists, school counselors. That's another great source. Mm -hmm. Ministers, uh, anybody who people would go to for assistance or guidance in life, they should have your card. Could be little league coaches. Uh, anyone, just think of who in your community did you look up to or admire or would go to when you were troubled. Make sure they have your card. So we also might want to remember there are some lay counselors out there that we may not think about, but barbers, hairdressers, bartenders. They get to hear each other, everybody's problems. So having some cards that you leave there for them might not be a bad idea. And of course, I understand that 99% of the cards are going to get thrown away. But it's that one card that doesn't get thrown away that can keep your referral pipeline flowing. Absolutely. That's why they give you discounts and multiples of a thousand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so now you've done all this that we've been talking about. You've got a great flow of referrals. It's time to just kick back and enjoy the fruits of your labors, right? Well, you would think so, but you can't let that happen, Bill. A referral source that you have is worth its weight in gold, and you have, you have to nurture that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend making sure you um, maybe connect with them a couple times a year. Maybe you take them out to lunch, or maybe you just send another box of cookies, um, a holiday card something that keeps you at the forefront of, oh, I need to call Bill. And you know, that applies to the number one referral source, your former patients, Yes. that you can send them holiday cards every year just to let them know that you still exist, that you're still in town, that you're still available. 
especially since it's around the holidays, a very stressful time for people uh, in general. That, that turns out to be a very effective marketing technique. Very true. You know, one more thing I was thinking about, and this would come into that place of your practice where you tend to be more of a specialist versus a generalist, is many communities have organizations of mental health providers. Yes. And they might meet monthly or quarterly, and they usually offer some continuing education opportunities there. But to volunteer to be one of those speakers on the specialty that you provide, typically the other therapists will remember that when they have a patient dealing with X, Y, or Z. Right. Okay, hey, I heard someone talk about that. They sounded like they knew what they were doing. Let me refer you over there. And even the people that think, you know, whatever it is that comes through the door, I can manage it. If it's something like EMDR and you don't have the setup or the specific training, or it's something like biofeedback where you need some rather expensive equipment, if, if you have a specialty like that, in particular, uh, doing one of those conferences uh, would be to your benefit. Absolutely. And additionally, just going to those organizations in general, I don't know about you, but if I have friends, they might come talk to me and they're like, I really need some therapy and I know you can't provide that to me, who would you recommend? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I have some names that I trust to give them. Yes. So we've done all of this fabulous work. We've got a referral source a network that's flowing. It's, it's flowing into our office faster than we can swallow. What do we do next? Well, I think that, Bill, is for another episode, we talk about expanding our practice. Exactly. About when to hire another therapist and when to open a second office location. Absolutely. Let's do that next time. So join us there. Yes. This podcast was brought to you by Therapy Appointment, a practice management system designed especially for psychotherapists. Therapy Appointment provides online scheduling, billing, insurance, charting, appointment reminders, teletherapy, HIPAA-compliant communication, and much more. Therapy Appointment. You provide the therapy, we provide the rest. More info at www.therapyappointment.com. If you have a suggestion for a future episode of this podcast, please email me at bill at therapyappointment.com. Thanks for listening. See you again next week.